Is the way most people play role-playing games the only way to play? Given the immense variety of games, people and approaches, the answer must surely be no. Well, if you want a game that emphasises the make-believe elements of role-playing and seeks to create a deeper sense of otherworld immersion, what would we have to change to make that kind of game work? Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello and welcome to Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost tabletop roleplaying games hobby. I'm your host, Che Webster. For many years now, I've been seeking to play the tabletop roleplaying game that I really want to play. This nebulous, somewhat elusive concept has finally caught up with me. It was a conversation with Legend of the Bones podcaster Simon Williams which unlocked something deep inside me. And if you are curious to know what he said, then you should check out Roleplay Rescue Season 11, Episode 21, released on December the 10th, 2022. Simon recommends solo gaming for everyone because he believes that, whether we have a regular group or not, it offers us the chance to play a game that is truly ours. You are not beholden to anyone else, he claims. You go and seek the other world immersion that you crave alone and on your own schedule. This idea appealed to me so much that I decided to sit down and try it. Because this is my game, the game I really want to play, I decided first of all that I needed to stop my usual internal dialogue about what other people, especially players I know, will think. This was hard. I considered several game systems and settings before settling where I am today. Over the past month or so, I've been experimenting with solo play to achieve otherworld immersion to varying success. Then I spoke again to Daniel Jones, the originator of the term otherworld immersion, in an interview released on December the 17th, 2022. This confirmed to me that I have arrived at enough of a sense of how I want to play that I can begin to talk about it more openly. This is the first time I've tried to put several elements together and share them with my friends in the Roleplay Rescue community. It was Barney from Loco Ludus, however, who many months ago challenged me to express my desired approach to role-playing games in terms of a manifesto. I love this idea because it is provocative and seeks to present a kind of idealised version of whatever the subject of the manifesto might be. This is the context within which I sat down to share my manifesto for otherworld-immersed tabletop role-playing. But let's be clear, none of this is new, original or even surprising if you listen regularly. Daniel Jones has provided me with the majority of the ideas and methods outlined here and to him I simply say thank you. But this is the first time I brought all my notes together and tried to express them coherently. It also feels like it's high time I share this so that Otherworld Immersion as a goal can be more widely discussed. Thank you to everyone who has helped me to get to this point. This is Season 11, Episode 24, Manifesto. 
On the principle that everything is play, I sat down to work out how I want to take forward my role-playing games hobby for the foreseeable future. I have decided to record my thinking as if I'm talking to a gaming friend because I find this helps me to work out my ideas, so here we go. For the longest time I've played in the regular style of play. As Jameson puts it, quote, the standard time-worn method for a game master to start a game goes something like this. Go out and buy a game system, buy or write an adventure, assemble players, generate characters and start the game, end quote. Even though I knew back in 2005 that this regular approach was wearing thin for me, I've persisted in approaching my games in broadly the time-worn manner simply because I didn't really know what I wanted. Jameson's advice helped me to move more deeply into creating other worlds that excited me as a game master, but there was still something lacking. When a group of players gathers with the intention of playing a particular set of rules in a broadly defined genre, for example, we gather to play Dungeons & Dragons in generic fantasy world, we are enacting the assumptions that have evolved from the basic formula of role-playing games given to us in 1974. This is a chimera of wargaming and make-believe, which leverages the structures of wargames to provide an opportunity to play the role of another person in an imaginary world. The players create characters for the game, usually some combination of random die rolls and selecting choices based on broadly defined archetypes. And to continue the example, they roll attributes, choose a race and class, and equip their characters. The assumption is that these are adventurers, characters who are above the typical citizen of the world and who are uniquely allowed to travel around having exciting interactions with lost places, interesting people, and finding amazing treasures. Typically games give players superhuman abilities in the sense of being more than, which emulate a blend of cinematic TV and movie action adventures and computer role-playing games. The GM presents a place which is a backdrop for adventure and describes it in as exciting and awe-inspiring a manner as they can muster. The players will always succeed overall because they are the heroes of their own story and failure is asserted to not be fun. Often the games master gives the players two levels of agency. They are allowed to choose what to do in each situation they encounter and they are generally allowed to choose the sequence of situations into which they get themselves involved. The GM, however, typically chooses the goal of the adventure. Sometimes the GM has a pre-written plot upon which the characters tread towards an inevitable climax, but most GMs have become savvy enough to offer players the choice of sequencing the scenes. The goal is to have a good time with friends, where the game's rollercoaster ride of adventure takes us through memorable scenes filled with action and mystery. We might well use miniatures or tokens on a map when we get to the combat, although this is optional, and everyone knows the details of their character's abilities because they are right there on the character sheet. While the players do roll dice, the rules are adjudicated primarily by the GM, and the players can challenge these rules when the GM deviates from them as written. The first thing to say is that there is nothing wrong with this style of play. It is the time-worn way. It is the way in which role-playing games are supposed to be played, isn't it? I know it's certainly been how I've played, albeit somewhat unsuccessfully, for absolutely decades. Sometimes, what I want from my gaming is something very different. When I play, I want to be immersed into the world of the game. Let's call this Otherworld Immersion. 
And I want it so that I can believe I am there in the persona of my character. I want to play a believable person living within a fantastic place and time. And I want to explore that place and time. I suppose that in my mind, I want to experience a kind of virtual reality simulation in which I can become absorbed by the combination of interesting fantasy, places and people to explore, and challenging situations. But I don't want to do it with a computer. I want the complete freedom to act and choose at all three levels of player agency. I want to be able to choose what I do in this situation. I want to be able to choose the situations I get myself involved in. And I want to be the architect of my goals within the game. I want it to feel as little like a game as possible, but I want it to be a game world that I can trust to be consistent. I want to dial up the make-believe aspect of role-playing games and make the game rules less visible so that they don't jar me out of the other world immersion I am experiencing. As we play, I want to first feel myself enter the world as a persona within it, a person rather than an abstract character or pawn, and then I am seeking to wade deeper into that world, first saturating my imaginary senses with rich details, and then achieving otherworld immersion as the details accumulate to the point where I cannot track them all. The world becomes real to me. Then I will feel as my character feels, and act as I believe they would act. Achieving this experience has, until recently, been entirely elusive and fragmentary. Sometimes in a regular game, I would find myself in a situation where the game has disappeared from the foreground and I was able to imagine the scene clearly. Everyone at the table, including the GM, is engaged with describing their actions and when we are all in role, even if not fully acting those roles, we are thinking and speaking and deciding from the point of view of our personas in that other world. And my heart would quicken with the excitement of being there in my imagination, aware of myself around the table, but also almost magically fully engaged imaginatively with the moment at hand, until someone breaks the spell. Perhaps someone cracks a joke, perhaps the scene ends and we take a break from the intensity, or perhaps, as is so common, someone asks me to look something up on my character sheet and then roll some dice. In that moment, the magic breaks and I am back at the gaming table. I have been told many times that I can't have what I want. That otherworld immersion is unattainable and even, some insist, dangerously close to messing with my sense of self and reality. But I know this is incorrect. I know it can be done because, following the advice and suggestions of friends who want this experience too, I have both attained it in play and offered it as a GM. Which brings me to the goals I have in play. I want to be otherworld immersed when I play, and I want to offer otherworld immersion to players when I run a game. I want to play consistently and regularly, and I want to develop a world and methodology that allows me to easily achieve otherworld immersive play consistently and regularly. It begins with some key principles and practices of play which I want to try and capture in what can only be considered right now a draft version. But here's my manifesto for Otherworld Immersed Play. Let's begin with some principles. 
The goal is Otherworld Immersion. We are seeking to provide players with an experience wherein they can take on the role of a persona within the Otherworld and identify as closely as possible with that persona for the duration of play. While being a human in the primary world means we achieve this through our imagination, the goal is to put ourselves into the point of view of the persona we are playing and think, feel and act as if we are that person. This means we are taking seriously the idea that the secondary world of the game is a real place with real people and problems. It's akin to when a novel sucks me deeply in and I can feel like I'm truly there, but this is freeform play rather than a scripted story. World, method and rules form the system of play. The world is the primary focus and your persona, the character, is part of the other world. They live there, they grew up there, and they will likely die there. Our method of play needs to support our ability to think, feel, and act as if we are that other person. The rules are the third element, providing a trustworthy set of mechanisms which support the play and help create consistency of experience. The challenge is to place the world first through methodology that invokes the wonder of playing in role while minimising the distractions caused by the rules. It's not about removing the rules or even minimising them. Instead, we seek to forefront the other world and not those mechanisms which support it. The player plays their persona. The arbiter utilises the rules. Players take on the role of their personas in the fantastic otherworld. The arbiter is the one who interacts with the rules of the game, describing the situations and adjudicating the player's decisions using the rules as fairly and clearly as possible. If we can bring ourselves to trust the arbiter, then the players do not need to interact with the rules of the game. They can instead interact with the world of the game. This is the first shift of our methodology. The rules move out of view, removing mechanisms and their associated meta-knowledge outside of the player's direct experience. Play your persona, not a pawn. This is not a war game. It's a role-playing game with the make-believe dialed up more sharply. We are not battlefield commanders looking over the heads of our soldiers and deciding how best to deploy them to find victory. For one thing, Battle is just one part of the possible range of experience possible when we take on the role of a persona in the other world. We are playing the role of a person who lives in that other world. We are seeking to look out through their eyes, hear what they hear, feel what they feel, taste and smell what they taste and smell. We should work to think in role, as if we were them in that situation. What would they think, feel or do? Describe from the persona's point of view. Description should be, as much as possible, from either the first or second person viewpoint. I look into the cavern, blinking in the torchlight and straining to see what might lie ahead. What do I see? You see the stalagmites formed all around you, lancing out in the chill air. You can barely make out the far side of the cavern, water dripping from the ceiling and making small sounds in the dark. Your nose wrinkles as you smell something rotten lies ahead. What do you want to do? The goal is to marry the player's experience of the other world with that of their persona, as much as is humanly possible. 
It's a feat of imagination made easier by the removal of all information outside of the knowledge and experience of the persona. Players have full agency. Players get to act and choose with full agency on three levels. They can choose what to do in each particular situation, they are able to choose the situations they get themselves involved in, and they get to be the architect of their own goals within the world. The arbiter describes the first situation, and the players decide how to explore from there. There is no meta-plot designed by the arbiter. The other world responds logically and consistently to the actions of the personas, only so far as those actions change the world locally. Ripples go out wider, but these are not necessarily visible to the player's persona. But always, the players choose how their persona thinks, feels and acts in the other world. The Arbiter describes the world. The second role of the Arbiter is to accurately describe the other world as the player's persona experiences it. To facilitate otherworld immersion, descriptions should be coloured from the point of view of that persona. All meta-references should be removed. What are they experiencing through their limited senses? Make descriptions short and as visceral as you can muster. That said, the Arbiter is playing the role of the world and the other people and creatures within it. The world is essentially indifferent to the player's persona. Describe what happens when the persona acts in the other world. Information is limited. From the very beginning, players must have minimal information about the other world. They get to know only what their persona knows. This might be details of the place where they grew up and have lived their lives, but it'll be vague and based on rumour for everything else outside of their direct experience. We need to be sparing with information at every level. A player doesn't need a character sheet with all the numbers. In a fantasy world they don't need a map, and they don't need even one-page top-down summary of the world. They just need to know what their persona knows. They should be left to draw their own conclusions on the rest. If they want more information, they need to go explore the other world. Players can ask questions to find out more. Success is not guaranteed. The player personas decide on what the goals of the game will be within the context of the other world. The other world is indifferent to their goals and desires. As the arbiter adjudicates the outcomes of the actions the personas take within the context of the other world, Failure is a very real possibility. Success is not guaranteed. Death of the persona might happen. In other words, the world is not going to give the personas what they want without a struggle. This is the essence of conflict. The player persona is pursuing their goal and the world doesn't care. Other people and creatures in the world probably stand between the persona and their goal. If they are clever and lucky, success is a possibility, but it's never guaranteed. This makes the challenge worthwhile and success becomes meaningful. These principles bring us to some practices. First the rules are behind the screen. The arbiter uses the rules while the players play their personas in role. The rules are for the arbiter and the players will find not using them increases their otherworld immersion because they don't need to switch between the other world and the primary world, such as when talking about or thinking about rules. 
Instead of switching between thoughts in role and thoughts about mechanisms, a phenomena which slows the experience and dispels the illusion of the other world, decisions should ideally be made from the perspective of the persona. The only reason is to keep referring to the rules as a player is because either we don't trust the arbiter to adjudicate the rules of the game or because what we really want is to play an RPG dialed closer to the wargaming paradigm. There is nothing wrong with wargaming nor even with the regular approach to roleplaying but it's not the experience we are talking about here. And as for mistrust, well why are we playing with people we don't trust to adjudicate the game fairly? Start with a duet, playing one-to-one, sessions with one player and the arbiter. This is an effective way to introduce new players to this style of play. Begin a dialogue to describe in terms of standard language, not rules or numbers, the kind of persona desired and the kind of other world you are going to explore. By working one-to-one, the player gets to try out the experience without the pressure or judgment of other players. And the Arbiter gets to run the other world for just one persona at a time, making their lives simpler and easier. The result can be a rich and deep experience. Eventually, if you want to, the Arbiter can form a small group of players into a party of personas for further play. Interview the persona. Arbiter and player should find a way to interview the persona. The player should briefly outline the kind of character they would enjoy playing. They should then work with the arbiter to create a persona who is interesting and engaging to them as a player. This might be achieved through various means, including but not limited to a range from 100% design through to 100% random generation. The main thing to remember is that the player needs to be able to play a persona they can both imagine in role and care enough about to want to play. A great tool for this is the arbiter interviewing the persona invented in role with the player answering in role as the persona. Find out what matters to them, what they believe, what they want. The big one is to find out what the persona's goals in the world might be so the arbiter can provide situations that challenge those goals. Descriptive persona records are best. To facilitate disconnection from the rules, it's good practice to describe the persona in terms of adjectives and nouns rather than with numbers. The abstraction of numbers requires a mental shift out of the persona's perspective and into thinking about relative values and probabilities, often based on percentages. This switch out of the other world is distracting. You are the strongest person you know, not the character with 18 strength. Write it all down on the sheet in descriptive terms. Get the arbiter to roll the dice. When the players roll the dice, they're not in the other world. They're handling polyhedrals in the primary world, doing maths in their head and thinking about rules. If you can stomach it, let go of the dice. If you must roll the dice, do it in the open and trust the arbiter to do the maths for you. Don't talk numbers, talk in roll. Ideally, the arbiter rolls all the dice behind the screen, out of sight of the players, to reduce distraction. The only reason not to do so is because either we don't trust the arbiter, or we don't trust the rules of the game. If we are unsure about the consistency of effect, we should discuss this between sessions and help the arbiter understand what doesn't feel quite right. Players describe their actions and intentions. In role, you need to give the arbiter enough information to fairly adjudicate your actions. Some players are used to trying to trick the arbiter by declaring an action without making their intention clear. 
this is damaging to play because the arbiter is forced to either guess your intention or ask clarifying questions. Far better is to declare a clear intention and describe how your persona will achieve that intention. For example, I want to get to the top of that steep wall, so I'm going to swing my grappling hook around my head a few times and then fling it towards the top. Hopefully, it'll catch the stones at the top and hold so I can climb up the rope. That's the kind of declaration that helps the arbiter decide the logical outcome, probabilities of success, and whether they need to roll dice. It's also describing actions in the other world without reference to meta-language or knowledge the persona does not have. Arbitrating actions might not involve the dice. One of the common elements is to only use the random elements of the rules when the logical outcome is actually unclear. If the player tries to do something that would obviously fail, it should consistently fail. And if they're trying to do something that should logically succeed, then it should pretty consistently succeed. The arbiter should not be afraid to decide the outcome via fiat. Only when the odds of success are significantly in doubt should the arbiter adjudicate with a dice in hand. Similar to this is to give consideration on how much swing and inconsistency you want to allow when the dice are rolled. Personally, I discovered I enjoyed 3d6 much more than I enjoyed d20 for skill checks simply because the results are far less volatile. This makes the other world experience all the more consistent. Make sure the rules are adjudicated consistently. The arbiter must be ruthlessly committed to adjudicating consistently. You cannot decide to bend the rules mechanisms that we are using in the other world because you want some specific outcome to occur, no matter how cool that might seem. Players will detect this because the world will become inconsistent over time. It'll break the magic of other world immersion because they're no longer able to maintain a sense of consistent cause and effect. If you must fix some broken mechanism within the game, be upfront about it and talk to the players out of session, although it's best not to discuss the specifics of the rules and focus on the experience the players are trying to achieve. If you choose to roll the dice, make sure you apply the results consistently. Either rule as arbiter with fiat or roll and accept the result the dice provide. This then gives us the basis for a more otherworld immersed experience at the table. Firstly, we should consider that these techniques represent the most extreme version of this approach to play. We can dial each element along its own spectrum and reach differing degrees of effect between a very gamey, wargaming focused style and the highly make-believe otherworld focused approach I'm outlining. Secondly, I do not consider this summary as exhaustive. My intention is simply to keep adding to it as I come up with new methodological points or to alter it as experience reveals a better method. I'm really open to suggestions. Lastly, it's worth commenting that this is not the only way that I would envision playing. There are times when the regular kind of play is just up my alley, such as when I introduce new players to the hobby. But there are also times when I enjoy dialing everything the other way towards the wargaming roots of D&D and play with miniatures and more rules to the fore. I do this often when I fancy a bit of a battle bash where I can blow off some steam after a tough week at work. In presenting this manifesto for Otherworld Immersion, I'm seeking just to codify the style of play and build my methodology, and I'm kind of hoping to attract some players to try it out. All in all, what this is really about is just letting you know where my thinking currently lies. Let me know your thoughts and suggestions. I hope you find that useful. Game on.
As you know, I love to hear from you. If you've got a question or comment, then please hop over to speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue, where you can leave up to a 90-second message. If you prefer, open up a voice memo app on your device, record what you want to say or ask, and email it directly to me via hello at rpgrescue.com. I want to catch us up with some recent messages received during the long period of interviews recently, but this week we seem to be short on time after I witted on for far too long. Sorry about that. I guess I'll just leave you with one comment from Jason. Hey, Terry, Jason here. Just listened to 1122, Other World Immersion with Daniel. Um, so I'm still not sold on the primeval fantasy thing. I definitely think there's a lot to the methodology, though. I think it would work really well with a modern-day game. You play modern-day supernatural conspiracy. That way, you, you know, people know what they know. You're not having to imagine yourself somewhere else. So, But you do the X-Files thing where the truth is, you know, di- slightly different than what people know. You can still bring in that solid good versus evil. And then you get the Lovecraftian twist where reality isn't what people think it is. And then that they have that realization that, you know, these things are real. So I really think that you could do it with modern day. And I think this technique would be very interesting to do with a modern day campaign and maybe a lot easier to do with a modern day campaign because all you're doing is creating the supernatural underworld that people don't know about. You're not having to create everything else. So I don't know, just a thought, but really great interview. Really appreciate that you take time to put these out and I will talk to you soon. Massive thanks to Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast for calling in there. And thanks to everyone else whose calls I'll play in a future episode too, but I hope you will bear with me. Thanks to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue and also to John from Tale of the Manticore for all of the show music. And especially a huge thanks to you for listening. I hope you found something useful in today's episode, and I hope you'll come back soon. My name is Jay Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again on the flip side. Game on.